Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the third and final installment, part three of our Black Panther Megapod, the first episode of the second season of Netflix and Grill. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you haven't caught the other two parts of this episode, I did also interview More Blessing Mature Ray, who's an actress, writer, and the creative director of Folk Magazine in Sydney, and also my good friend Tawanda Kungache, who is a social entrepreneur and all-around incredible guy on their experience of watching Black Panther as well recently. But this part the third and final installment is with Catherine Steele who's an incredibly talented designer who has worked on films the scale of Black Panther most notably and most recently Alien Covenant which if you haven't seen as well I highly encourage you to go and see it's a great film but for right now we are talking Black Panther the one billion dollar grossing box office smash hit and this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Americanized.tv. It's our new website. It hosts Netflix and Grill, as well as a whole bunch of other shows that are going to be amazing and coming out over the coming months. So check it out, Americanized.tv. But for right now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, I am being joined by a, a, a great friend of mine. Uh, one of my best friends from over in Sydney. Her name is Catherine Steele. She worked in the art departments and costume departments of movies on the scale of Black Panther for a few years now. Uh, she, you, you would have seen some of her work in Gods of Egypt, in Peter Rabbit, and in Alien Covenant, just to name a few of the things that she's worked on. Um, she's also a fantastic person, wonderful and not short of an opinion, which is why I love having her on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Steele, how you doing? Hi, Michael. I'm doing well. That's good. Do you want to tell uh, the audience just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. Um, so my background is both in film studies. So I did a film studies degree at Sydney Uni, and then I trained at NIDA for three years in set and costume design. So um, I come at this from a couple of different angles. And as you said, oh, I should also declare my bias in that I did actually work with Chadwick Boseman on Gods of Egypt. Mm. So like, I think that that colors my view of the movie a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Not necessarily I, in a bad way. Just <laughs> I wait with bated breath. I honestly, I'm waiting with bated breath for all of this. I can't wait. Um, so, uh, look, I, I've chatted with a couple of people already, and I'm very excited to hear what you thought. You saw the movie two days ago, was it? Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of expectations did you have going in, and how did you feel walking out? So. My expectations when I was going in, I'm not really a Marvel movie person, so I mm. guess I didn't expect to personally really love the film that much. Mm. Um, but I, everybody's been talking about how amazing it is, so I wanted to experience what everybody is so excited about. Um, I think I did that. I didn't personally, like for me, I had some issues with the plot and I thought they, it didn't really start until halfway through. Okay. But I did really love the world and I loved Wakanda and I, I thought it was so exciting to see a black cast and a strong female cast that I kind of just wanted the plot to be as amazing as that was. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair takeaways. Um, mm. I, I love the film. I saw it about two weeks ago now at, uh, you know what, random plug, Belmont Reading Cinemas, which I, I Instagrammed on the night. I put a story up and I said, best cinema experience ever. Um, this cinema, right, $10 tickets standard, $15 premium tickets, and then their gold class lounge, I don't know why I'm going on about this, but whatever, their gold class lounge is $22, and it's the same size as a normal cinema, but there's only about a third of the seats, because they are enormous, 
And they also like, there's two versions of reclining. So you bring the footrest up, you lie back. It's like, I don't know. I didn't know whether to watch the movie or to just like tuck in for like a good sleep. It was that comfortable. Amazing. It sounds like on. a great option for a hot yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, but anyway, I love the film. And uh, you're right. I think that the, the world of uh, Wakanda and the black cast and everybody, everything that you mentioned in terms of the pro line, I would agree with all of that. Uh, as well as the soundtrack, I've just been listening to that all morning, which is really amazing. It comes up a few times during the film and it's just like the way that you are just comparing sound and visual here just makes my heart sing. Something that else that I found out today is Ryan Coogler, the superstar director of this film, who also directed Creed, he's 31 years old. Yeah, that that's really alarming because I'm turning 31 in like three months now. <laughs> <laughs> and I have not directed any Hollywood movies. So. Comparison is the thief of joy. You have worked on three Hollywood movies. So That's true. <laughs> there is always that. Um, now, you mentioned the amazing uh, sort of superstar female cast as well. You've got Lupita Nyong'o, Danai Gurira, Angela Bassett, and Letitia Wright, who are kind of that main quadrilogy uh, yeah. of the the four major women in it, the love interest, the general, the mother, and the sister, if you're tying them all back to T'Challa. But the thing is that I love about this film is that each woman stands on her own separate from her ties to T'Challa, I think. What were your thoughts on the, the female stars in the movie? I thought the female cast were absolutely amazing. And I actually thought that all of their performances were stronger than most of the male cast. Um, <laughs> They didn't, like, none of them necessarily had that many lines, but I thought each of those women, each of those actresses brought such depth to the character that it was just such a joy to watch. Mm, mm. Did you have any, what about favourite moments of the film or favourite scenes? I did really love it, the sort of the climactic fight when you've got the sort of, there's the most dangerous character and he's fighting three female warriors. And yeah. it's never a question of like, should he not be fighting them because they're female or anything? It's just like, well, well, they're just as strong as everybody else in this world. Yeah, so just as dangerous, just as deadly. Yeah. It was a little bit sad that, and I'm sure they're tied by the hands of the comic here, that it's still a male-run society. Like, why does Black Panther have to be male? Mm. But, you know, I'll, I'll take what I get with this one. <laughs> and I think that that's something that is, that, that's something that could potentially change in the future. And thinking about the film myself as well, this is something that I've brought up a couple of times, maybe even in this podcast. Sorry for repeating myself, people. I'm doing this over multiple days. Forgive me. Um, but I see this as potentially being a film that could have a Fast and the Furious style or James Bond style franchise that goes for six, seven, eight, nine films. And it could very well be that Chadwick Boseman helms them for the first four films and then hands it over to another great African actor or another great African actress who is like, then it becomes a, a female Black Panther down the line or what have you. Um, but I just think that this is, is something that's had so much success. We're nearing on a billion dollars now. It was 900 million a day or two ago. Um, so it almost definitely will cross that threshold uh, and it's just like, that's amazing, setting up a, a potential major franchise like that and the ultimate amount of stories that could be told in Wakanda. Um, what were your favourite world-building elements of the, the film? Okay, I 
I love world building. So I actually wanted to spend more time in Wakanda. Mm. Like I got annoyed every time we went into the real world and I'm like, I don't care. Like what, what are we doing here in this club? Let's go back to Wakanda. <laughs> like it's way more interesting. So I actually think that was a slight failure in the film for me. Like it just didn't capitalize on what was so different about it to all other Hollywood movies. Mm. Um, but the world itself, I just thought, the unabashed use of sort of African textiles, African history, African imagery in there with like really first world sci-fi sorts of things was really exciting. Mm. Um, I thought it was a little bit disappointing for me that in some ways they made it quite similar to Pandora. So I thought about that comparison a lot, um, obviously Pandora and Avatar. So just kind of the way that all of the powerful things were like glowing. I was like, it's very James Cameron. So I would have liked it if they were a little Mm -hmm. bit different to that. But um, yeah, I thought it was a really beautiful world. What were some of your favorite, and then this is right in your wheelhouse now, obviously, but what were some of your favorite costumes in the, in the bunch? I thought that all the female guards just had the most amazing costumes because they were also, sorry, the the crowns guard, the Dora Milaje. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, the colours were incredible. Just the detail on them was amazing. And I loved that they all were doing such physical things and they didn't, like, dress them as men to do them. They were just like, yeah, they're wearing a skirt and they're totally badass. Yeah, and they could move in them and, they, and then it wasn't – And but they also looked completely functional in terms of – obviously yeah. when you've got vibranium, the hardest metal <laughs> material in the world, uh, yeah. it helps, definitely helps. <laughs> but Apparently. I like – But I like what you said there just about the way that the costumes were a really amazing meld of real world African iconography mixed with, well, basically like leaning on that spiritual and ancestral essence of the past, but also with this vision of kind of Afrofuturism. Um, And that's like an amazing kind of line to walk down, right? That's a pretty amazing balancing act. One of my favorite moments in the entire film is where uh, Akoya is in the car chase scene in Korea and she just says, uh, they're shooting at the car and she just says, guns, so primitive. (laughs) Yeah, there were a couple of really great lines like that. Um, One of the costumes that I loved the most was when um, Black Panther arrives back from picking up his girlfriend and he's meeting from picking up his girlfriend. Anyway, he's meeting his mother and his sister. Mm. And Angela Bassett's costume is just so stunning. It's like this white headdress. And mm. I'm honestly like, I can't tell if that is traditional weaving styles or if it's 3D printed. Like this amazing line between ultra modern and it's so exciting to think what Africa might have been like if it hadn't been pillaged by the West. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think they've, they've done that in the design and it's so lovely. So one of the things that this, again, the challenges of this movie, we don't really think about it too much because it's had so much success now, but the challenge with any Marvel movie is that it really, I mean, Carvel Wallace wrote in the New York Times said, the film arrives as a corporate product, but we are using it for our own purposes. And I guess that's the thing about any Marvel movie is that it is a corporate product, right? It's like it is this Mm -hmm. ultimate double-edged sword of here's here's your movie, you can spend $200 million making it, but we expect to make about a billion back. So you better make it so that everybody likes it. And that's that. It's like unlimited resources, but you have to make everybody like it. 
And so that's the ultimate curse of a lot of Marvel films. And I think why there are so few, why you're not a big fan and why typically I, they're not my favorite movies either is because you get stuck on this train of, of basically getting as like, oh, that was reasonably entertaining. Um, it's kind of a bit mindless and I'm not thinking about it two days later. But this kind of came out of nowhere and was completely different. And I think that this is, I mean, I think the obvious reason why this is completely different to me anyway, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, is it's the difference between this film being a film that, a story that had to be told, that had a need to be told, as opposed to the MO of most movie studios at the moment, which is, well, what can we come up with next? Yeah, I I kind of disagree on that. I think that if Marvel were doing amazing storytelling, like the way that Pixar do amazing storytelling, everybody would love it and it would also be appealing to everybody. Like mm. I think that they're not really making a priority of their storylines in the way that they could, so they're not making amazing films. Um, I think it's totally possible to make films that appeal to everybody and are also saying something and are also really amazing. James Cameron is kind of the best example of that for me. His films are... They always have a purpose, there was a point, but they're so tightly and simply told that nobody gets lost along the way. Um, so I think that it is lacking in that area. But I think what we see with Black Panther is really that like, the world has just been waiting for this film because, and not because of the actual content of the film, but because it's such representation. Mm. Like people are overjoyed to see this representation of black faces and not something that's dominated by white men and even like I'm a very white woman but I found it so exciting to not have to go into a white man's world just for a moment and to be mm. like oh my god I actually haven't been in this world before like even though it's not my world and I couldn't walk into Wakanda like oh my god this is so exciting and I've never seen this on a screen before so I think what we're really seeing is what they always say that like and Disney has understood this better than any other filmmakers I think you see this with Star Wars and they've been doing it with their animations and things like diversity will actually pay off yeah I 100% agree and also wonderful to get a, a different point of view on that I, I guess you're 100% right uh, I agree with you about the James Cameron thing did you know that his current project that he's working on is a documentary about veganism I didn't know that um, I don't know if I dreamt that, that or if I'm going to look sorry. that up again after we finish talking, just in case I dreamt it. But I, mean, I thought he was making five more avatars at the moment, actually, over in New Zealand. So. Yeah, well, he is doing that too. I'm sure that he is doing that. Is Samuel Worthington still going to be in there or has he lost his moment? I kind of hope he has. No, no, I think, no, I think he's still in it. Okay. I think they've had him on permanent hold for like 10 years to make those movies. Yeah. So weird. It's like that. You can't have a... Trust me. Trust me. You'll have a career, but you just have to put it on hold for 10 years. Go off and marry Lara Pinkle. Yeah, I'm not sure that his career had too many other highlights to be had, so I think he's still got a good deal. Yeah, that, that's 100% true. So I want to uh, do something a little bit different than with you now, uh, and I don't know. I don't know if this will be a, a, a Catherine Steele thing. In fact, I'm sure that on, on one level it won't be because I'm just going <laughs> to run through very quickly the top five uh, Marvel Universe movies, in my opinion, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, doesn't really... Uh, you probably don't have an opinion on because you probably haven't seen half of them slash don't like most of them. <laughs> Which is yeah, fine. Build up. <laughs> uh, but I've got Black Panther at number one. Uh, and then in no particular order, 
uh, Thor Ragnarok, The Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a, a relatively safe top five. And to be honest, there is a decent fall off after Black Panther. Um, the Avengers as a movie really excited me. Thor Ragnarok has been great and gotten great reviews and has been something different for the franchise. It was kind of a good lead up to this. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was a fun film that had a terrible villain, but nonetheless, and then Iron Man was kind of an iconic start to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Robert Downey Jr. did an amazing job of playing that role. But then I was thinking about, it's like, let's take it outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where things have been somewhat underwhelming and go into the greater universe of just superhero films. What are the top three superhero films of all time? And I wonder if you'll agree or disagree. My top three, in no particular order, are The Dark Knight, Black Panther, and Logan. Okay. I have seen all of those, so that's handy. I really love Logan. We saw that one together. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I almost argued that that wasn't a superhero movie. Like it was, it was more focused on his non-superhero personality. I think, which was mm. what was exciting about it. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Was uh, the The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Right. That freaked me out so much I couldn't sleep for like two nights. <laughs> I think what's interesting about those choices is that with the other two that you've chosen that aren't Black Panther, I think they have really, really amazing performances in them. I certainly think Logan is Hugh Jackman's best performance ever and like probably also The Dark Knight for Heath Ledger. So it's kind of interesting to me that you've chosen two that I would say are really based on character and one Mm. that's really based on world. Yeah, true. I agree. Um, yeah, good point. Um, what? Well, because we did see Logan together, and, and it was like I, I came away from that, and the thing that I was telling people was just like, you're right. It's not really a superhero movie. It's more like a mess, a western mixed with a family drama, mi- mixed with like a vacation movie. Yeah. <laughs> in the best way possible, Patrick Stewart yeah. is so funny in that film. That was the Professor X that Patrick Stewart was born to play. He just needed yeah. to smoke weed in one of the scenes of the <laughs> film as well. Um, and then The Dark Knight is obviously just a, a, a classic and it is so built on character. And this is so built on world. Um, again, one of the amazing kind of surprises of this is Winston Duke, who plays M'Baku, who literally barks at a man until he stops talking. Yeah, I did really love that. <laughs> was one of the best scenes of the film. And I thought that Martin Freeman actually did a great job in this film too. Did you like him? I liked him, but I was... A bit like, does he have to be here? Like, could we just not have this white character? And in some ways I liked it because there's usually a token black character in yeah. a movie. So there was a token white character. But I was also like, oh, I just, I feel like it would be okay if you weren't here. Like, why do we have to have a white guy saving the day? Why can't some badass? <laughs> <laughs> um, true, very true. Uh, but he was the token white guy. And I did kind of like that element to it. I felt like Forrest Whitaker literally stepped off of the set of Rogue One and stepped onto the set of this movie. Uh, he almost yeah. barely had to change uh, all his acting or his costume. Uh, and then um, the other one for me, kind of just out of the shadows, really amazing performance. Actually, in, as you say, the, the world kind of superseded the performances in this to some degree, uh, not really from the women, but from the men's side of things, but out of the shadows of the male performances, Sterling K. Brown who played in Jobu, who was the uh, the, origi- uh, the the man that N'Chaka killed 
in the beginning of the film. Yeah. Uh, and he is, just won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a TV Drama for This Is Us. And mm-hmm. he was also uh, one of the prosecutors in uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Okay, yep. And I remember buying stock in this guy in one of the first episodes of Netflix and Grill when I was like, this guy, <laughs> Sterling K. Brown, he won, he won this series and he's going to get some <laughs> great work out of this. Uh, I thought he was incredible. And for, for having about six minutes of screen time in the entire film, still managed to pull out almost two tearjerker scenes. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, I wasn't entirely sure why those scenes were in the movie, to be honest. <laughs> like, I think his performance was great. I was like, this is not really, like, it's necessary backstory to know that the father killed the uncle. It's not really necessary to see it on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of what confused me about the start of the movie. But, yeah, I think his performance was great. Um, and it did give a lot, of, a lot of weight to that. And you think that they could have done it without it? I don't know. I, dis- I disagree to a degree. I think that that's part of what made it so complex. And even though Michael B. Jordan's characterization was sometimes turned up to 11, um, mm. it's part of what made his, as a villain, his character so interesting was because it did have this really full three-dimensional element to it. Would you, done it, would you have done it differently? I actually would have cut Andy Serkis from the entire thing because I don't understand why his plotline went for 20 minutes and then stopped. <laughs> um, and I would have really focused it in on those two rival leaders and cousins and, like, the one who wants to protect Wakanda and wants to be really insular and the one who wants is, like, I want to fight for the rest of the world. And I would have loved to see more of his childhood, not just his father dying, but more like, okay, what experiences has he had to get to this point that he wants to do that? And, you know, it's not hard to imagine, but it could have been shown a bit more, I think. And then I think that would have been more of an interesting struggle because you've got, like, this amazing classic Greek struggle of do we fight for what's right or do we protect ourselves, which you know, there's no answer to that. And it would have been an absolutely incredible dramatic film to have those two characters playing that off, which they kind of did, but I just think they came to it late. Like who cares if Andy Serkis stole one-tenth of their supply of, you know, shiny stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, actually that's a really interesting point. And yeah, it is an interesting parallel of what if they did that. Even though I thought Andy did a good job of his role, but I think you're right. Like even if you dig, dig deeper into that, relationship into that argument it was one of the most fascinating elements of the film so I'm, I'm with you there yeah like when michael jordan came and like was in wakanda and when shot anti-circus and suddenly like this character i was i sort of relaxed i went oh thank god like i know where the film is going now i've understood what i'm supposed to care about gotcha and i think up until that point i had been going like oh which which element of this am i investing in i'm a little bit confused so, Which is actually really interesting because I think the lead character in this film is actually very passive, which is a really interesting choice to make and one that I wonder if they sort of had to make because they were dealing with a black character and they didn't want him to be accused of being too aggressive or something, um, which would be sad. But for a leader, he's not he doesn't really come with much of an agenda except to be good like his father was. Well, so that was one of the... An odd the, Yeah, well, that was one of the conversations that they had right at the beginning when they were on the ancestral plane was T'Chaka said to T'Challa, you're a good man and that's going to make it hard for you to lead. 
which is super interesting. And then what I was talking about with more blessing earlier as well um, was that at the at the end, her favorite scene was on the railroad tracks with those two having a conversation that she feels like continental and uh, African continental Africans and African Americans need yeah. to have. Um, mm-hmm. And that, yeah, it is two differing points of view, but uh, uh, super interesting. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why they made the choice, but I'm kind of, I, I, I thought that they played off against each other extremely well and set up that debate and set up that argument. It was so nice, and I've said this before. Sorry for repeating myself. Uh, I've said this before, but it is nice that it is an argument. It's not just clear super angelic good and super Machiavellian evil. Uh, yeah. It's both sides are defensible. Both sides have an argument. Yeah, I think that was probably more interesting in this film than most. Especially um, in superhero yeah. films. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> always. Um, but one of my favourite superhero movies is um, Kill Bill. Yes. Like, I guess she's good, but the whole thing is pretty suspect. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like, does she really need to go and kill this assassin like she's killing all of these people is that justified so i think the really interesting ones are where you're like I'm not really sure if this is a good person or a bad person yeah true because we want shades of gray like we want to use our brains as an audience right it's like we want to be able to form our opinions on what we think is good and what we think is too much and what we think is not enough and all that sort of stuff and this gives us room to do that which i like mm. I always like the bad characters too. They're way more interesting than the good ones. So. <laughs> Especially when they're as good as somebody like the Joker. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I look, I, I've had a fantastic time. This has been a lot of fun. Is there anything, what, is there anything else that you feel like is left over that you want to chat about or is that good? I would be interested to hear your opinion on um, the lead character and Chadwick Boseman as an actor, because I didn't, get much from him especially compared to the rest of that stellar cast and I'm interested to hear your opinion on whether that's just me or if that's a choice that he's made as an actor yeah cool okay so looking at Chadwick's performance I think that he had a a resounding kind of presence on screen um in his stillness he Mm -hmm listened well, uh, he had some really beautifully clear relationships. His relationship with Shuri was really great. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's still a lot there to play with. And I think that he was, you know, it's like you, you called it passive, but I think that in this film, his role was to learn. Um, he didn't come in as a leader with an, uh, like a, a, a direct imperative and, and saying, I'm going to do this. He really yeah. came in as a leader that is kind of pretty rare in 2018 in the world uh, as I'm going to listen more than I'm going to talk. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. And he was a gen- and, and so I found that that to be his role in the film, which I think that he lived up to really well. Um, I think, I don't know, I I just felt like he had an interesting screen presence. Obviously, he was cast in the role through Captain America's Civil War, and a lot of people have speculated if that hadn't been the case, would Ryan Coogler have cast Michael B. Jordan as T'Challa and Black Panther had he done the casting himself? And the answer, based on the fact that they worked together on Creed, is quite possibly yes. But also, we, we kind of got to see that version because Michael B. Jordan still got to put on the Black Panther suit, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I felt like he 
added a necessary flavour to the film. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about that, oddly. Nice, okay. Um, <laughs> last, last question. In terms of, mm. speaking of 2018, speaking of the context in which this film is in, what do you think the best takeaway that we can get from it is? What, what do you think you... Is, is there anything that you immediately think that you can take out with you into the real world based on what you've seen in this film? Yeah, I think that from what you can take away from the story, it does reflect just how messy the world is and how we've got so many issues and so many sort of issues that we've inherited in terms of the history of race relations. And I think it really touched on things like like refugees and is Wakanda going to take refugees and that sort of thing. It was beautiful to see those things recognised mm. and not simplified um, and it actually being like these things are really messy and we don't know what to do about them. And then in terms of the cultural impact of the film, I just think that it's shown so clearly that representation matters and that if you make things that aren't just for the audience we've been making them for for 100 years, that people will love them and all sorts of people will love them and it'll just be really exciting. Perfect. I love that. Such a good uh, moment to end on. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate you so much. Um, this has been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, well, I, will, I will catch up with you soon. And uh, ciao for now. And that's it. Thank you very much for joining us for part three of the Black Panther Megapod, my interview with Catherine Steele. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. If you did, make sure that you give it a... Give us a like, give us a share, leave us a, a rating and review on iTunes. That always helps. It makes such a huge difference. It really does, I promise you. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait for the next episode and for what's going to come on this show in the coming weeks and months. If you have anything that you would desperately like us to cover or if you would like to come on the show, uh, just drop me a tweet at Double Life Mike or email me at americanized.tv at gmail.com. Your input is going to play such a huge role in taking this show to the next level and growing it as we get bigger and bigger. I really appreciate everything that all of you do in watch, in, in taking some time to listen to this show and be part of this community. And I hope that we give as much as to you as you give to us. Until next time, uh, check out AmericanEyes.tv and keep it on Netflix and Grill. Adios.